Welcome to Burnside at home for Sunday the 12th of June. Uh, you're very welcome to join with us as we continue our series in the book of Philippians. Paul's writing to this early church and he is encouraging them in their faith, encouraging them in how to live their lives and how to follow Jesus Christ. Uh, today we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3, all of the chapter, and then on beside the burn throughout the week, uh, we're going to be looking a little bit more detail at some of the verses. In fact, on beside the burn, we're going to be looking at this chapter for the next two weeks. Uh, next week, 19th of June, uh, David Murphy is going to be preaching in Burnside uh, while I am away in New Row, where I am convener of the vacancy there. Uh, so I'll be there next week. So we'll be taking two weeks on beside the burn. And uh, do remember to look at the church website and follow us for that couple of announcements. Uh, first of all, remember our drop-in, which happens on Thursday mornings, half 10 to 12 noon uh, at the church. And you're very welcome. Just simply drop in for a cuppa and a chat. And uh, we will uh, be delighted to have you join us. Remember also our prayer meeting on a Wednesday morning at half past nine. So let's worship God together. And in the passage that we will read later in the service, uh, Paul makes an incredible statement about his desire to know Jesus better. And this is what he says. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings and become like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. So this is what Paul's plan is. This is how he wants uh, to know more of Jesus Christ and to follow Jesus Christ in all that he does. So let's turn to God now in prayer together. Let us pray. We give you thanks and praise, O God, for you have made us your own through Christ Jesus and given us a new righteousness based on faith. You created the entire universe. The sky tells of your glory. Day and night reveal the genius of your ways. You brought your people out of slavery and gave them your laws and commandments that they might be rich in spirit and clear in vision. Though we repeatedly rejected your ways and destroyed your messengers and sent your son, you still sent your son to us to renew heaven's call. Though the crowds recognised him as a prophet, those who coveted his inheritance seized and killed him. But you raised him from the dead and now through the power of his resurrection, he stands as a cornerstone of righteousness, the first fruits of the kingdom and the incomparable prize towards which we press. Therefore, with our hearts lifted high, we offer you thanks and praise at all times through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. 
Let's read together from God's word and we're going to read from Philippians chapter 3. And in this passage, uh, we hear Paul writing to the early church and telling them about uh, how they are to know Jesus Christ and how they are to put Jesus Christ first. So let us hear God's word. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Amen. And we pray that God once again will bless to us the reading of his word today. Now, there's no easy way to put this. Being a Christian is not a part-time occupation. Today, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then it demands a level of commitment that is beyond anything else that we will ever do with our lives. 
For example, if you want to be a golfer, then you may want to play every day and you may read the magazines and watch the competitions on TV. But Christ demands more. If you want to be a football fan, it will require time and money as you follow your club and travel for the games. But Christ demands more. If you're a crossword addict, then you may be continually trying to solve clues and have a puzzle open in front of you. But Christ will demand more. In chapter 3 of this letter to the church in Philippi, Paul explains the demands that Jesus makes upon our lives. He describes the level of commitment that's required. He shows us how Jesus will turn our lives upside down and also inside out. So this will not be a gentle journey this morning. You may be calling for me to stop because it's too difficult. Who can possibly follow this Jesus Christ? But let's see what Paul says. There's a lot in this chapter. We'll not be able to cover it all this morning, but we have the next two weeks in the blog to delve a little deeper. So Paul begins with a very bold statement, one that hits us directly at the very nub of the matter. He says, don't trust in our own achievements. Paul begins with this because he knows that this is the very thing that we will try to do. He knows it because he does it himself. He tells us that if we want to find real joy in our lives, then that joy cannot be found in ourselves. It has to be found somewhere else. It has to be found in Jesus. Paul says, if you are trusting in yourself, if you're trusting in your own achievements, then that is ultimately a pointless way to live. Paul says if you think that you have anything in your life that would earn your salvation, Paul says, I've got more. He tells them, I was circumcised at the right time. My descendants are from the right tribe. I know and I keep the law. I've even persecuted the church, which I thought was against God. But none of that holds up in God's sight. God is not impressed by any of those things. He sees through it all. He isn't looking for a list of credentials. Instead, he's looking for someone who will humbly bow before him and accept his forgiveness. Just imagine how silly we look trying to impress God like this. By saying to him, well, look, my parents went to church all their lives. I went to Sunday school twice every Sunday whenever I was younger. I learnt my shorter catechism and I can recite the books of the Bible. It all sounds good, but compared to the righteous creator and ruler of the universe, it is insignificant. We cannot have lives that are better than Paul. And even Paul's life was not enough to impress God. So as Paul says, don't trust in your own achievements. Second thing then that Paul tells us is to get a new way to evaluate our lives. Paul explains what this new way of accounting looks like. To put it simply, it's as if Paul gets a sheet of paper, he draws a line down the middle of the two columns, one he labels Christ and the other he labels not Christ. He looks at everything in his life 
and he puts it into one of the two columns. Most of the things in the not Christ list are the things that used to be most important to him. The things that he spent his time and his energy on. And looking at it now, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of the of Christ. And Paul now looks at the Christ column, and these things never used to be part of his life. In fact, he would have laughed at and indeed persecuted anyone who put any value on the Christ column. But now, he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Christ is now the only thing that is important to Paul. His whole life has been turned around. Last week we were thinking about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, how he changes us to become more like Jesus. And this is a good test for us to see how that process is coming along. Draw up the two lists and see which column our attention is drawn towards. The things that we desire most, which column are they in? The things that we spend our money on, what column are they in? The things that take up most of our time, what column are they in? We need to get a new way of evaluating our lives. For Paul, the most important thing is knowing Jesus. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. This is a very different way to live our lives. And the third thing that Paul tells us to do is always aim for something better. Paul makes a startling admission in verse 12. We might have thought as we read the beginning of chapter 3 that Paul is a superhero Christian, that he has all these things worked out and he is living his best life. But in verse 12, we discover that Paul is human. He knows all the things that he should be doing, but he is struggling. It's as if he's saying, I wish I had all this sorted out, but he doesn't. This is what he says. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. That sounds like my response as I read this letter. Not that I've got all this sorted out. Is that the way you respond to these commands? Paul struggles, but he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The danger for Paul, and indeed the danger for any one of us as we follow Jesus, is that we sink into accepting things the way they are. We miss the target that God has set, and we miss it again and again. And we just accept that we'll never reach it. When that happens, we lose all enthusiasm for the gospel. We lose a sense of adventure, of living in the kingdom. We get into a rut and we drift. We drift away from the kingdom and we drift away from Jesus. Have you ever found yourself drifting? Paul tells us that the way to avoid that is to aim for something better. Press on, brothers and sisters. 
I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We keep aiming for the prize for which we are called heavenward. The final piece of advice that Paul gives us follows on from this last one. Paul is telling us, don't get too comfortable on earth. It's easy to fill our minds with earthly things. It is so simple to become distracted by what this world has to offer. And when we're continually thinking about the earth, we are no longer thinking about Christ. Remember in chapter 2, Paul told us to have the same mindset as Jesus, to have the same attitude as Jesus. And he warns us that when our minds are on earthly things, then we're living as enemies of the cross. Now that's quite an accusation to make, that we are living as enemies of the cross. To live as an enemy of the cross, how could that happen? Well, It can happen very easily. This world is continually bombarding us with everything that is against God's will, telling us that things that God hates are the things that we should be loving. We enjoy this world so much that we forget about Jesus, but this world should never get too comfortable for us. We should never be completely at ease here. If we are, we have probably forgotten our calling. Paul reminds us that this is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Don't get too comfortable on earth. We should be waiting for our Saviour because he is coming back again and we should be living each day in the knowledge that he may return. That changes everything. Changes how we speak to people, what we say to them, what's important in our conversations. Don't get too comfortable on earth because you are a citizen of heaven. So as I said at the beginning, Being a Christian is not a part-time occupation. Today, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then it demands a level of commitment that is beyond anything else that we will ever do with our lives. Don't trust in our own achievements. Instead, rejoice in the Lord. Get a new way to evaluate your life, Christ and not Christ. Always aim for something better. We haven't got all this sorted out. And don't get too comfortable on earth because we are citizens of heaven. Let's pray together. Lord God Almighty, we thank you that you have called us into your service and we recognise, Lord, that that is difficult. It's not a part-time job to follow Jesus, but it requires every part of our lives. So Lord, help us not to rely on our own past achievements, but help us instead to trust in Jesus and rely upon him. Help us, Lord, to evaluate our lives, 
looking at what is for Christ and what is against Christ. Help us, Lord, always to be aiming for something better, realizing that we haven't got this world sorted out and that there is more to do. And Lord, help us not to become too comfortable in this life, but to remember that we are citizens of heaven. And so now we pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be with us all both now and forevermore. Amen.